Hear the word of the Lord from Mark 17 through 31. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, I have kept all this from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and you lack one thing. Go, sell all you have and give to the poor. And you then come, follow me. But he was dismayed by the hand. He went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Saying to one another, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with man it is impossible, but not with God because all things are possible with God. Peter began to tell him, look, we have left everything and followed you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last in the last first. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Reconcile Community Church. Tasha, that, that's exactly the inflection that, in, that is going through in my head. I mean, when you read scripture and things like that, there's always like, or at least for me, there's always like, I get an inflection of like the story and things like that, and that was, that's spot on what Tasha just did because it's, I think it, it brings forward um, what the really, the gist of this, what I think is a difficult text I, it may be difficult, it may be difficult for y'all or you think about that in a different thing. We're not going to spend any time talking about what it means, a camel going through the eye of a needle. It, that's, I, don't think that's, I think that's not part. I think it means it's impossible, which is what Jesus says. It's impossible for man. Um, but we're not going to talk about this, that part. But I think the gist of it is, and, and what I take from this text is, is that God commands our full and complete devotion. And I think it's easy, I think for a lot of us, it's easy to just uh, write off this passage um, that it doesn't apply to us. It's in a category that is outside of something that applies to us. And the first thing that doesn't apply is that this was, he was young, and I'm not young. Um, but the whole idea to say that, you know, that he's rich, he's powerful, um, 
and, and, and that he's a ruler, all of those things, it's just really easy to say, well, that doesn't apply to me. So this, what Jesus has to say now is really I can just check out. But if you think about this, compared to the Jews at the time of Jesus, we are wealthy kings. We have running water. We have a sewer system that is not in the middle of the street. We have electricity. We've got technology. We've got all of these things that we have. And so in comparison, we could say we are wealthy in comparison to them. And even if you think 200, 250 years ago, where people were just living to live, to get by, even then, even that long, not that long ago, we compared to what our standard of living now is, is incredible. And even compared, you know, our technology, the phones that we have, the ability for these, these little computers to do what we could not have done, you know, 20 or 30 years ago is amazing. But I don't think that's, it's not a competition, but I don't think that's the, the really what God wants us to hear and to think from this and what, G, and what Jesus, the point he was trying to make. The question is, do we consider our relationship with Jesus to be like a business transaction? Or do we really think of, ourselves, think of ourselves as willing servants? You know, is our faith an idea that just is something that we're a part of? Or is it the center of our life? Is it something that's a part of our life? Or is it something that dominates our life? Do we look at God as our co-pilot that we just call on when we need help? Or a genie? Or get out of jail free card when things aren't going our way? Or, as I said, does following Jesus dominate our life? And he commands that, our full, that we have his full and complete devotion. And you know, there's no coincidence. coincidences. That last song, and it was not planned, that last song, if we, if we could have put that at the end, it was like, that summarizes everything. I, I, it's not only that I want you, we'll see here, we need him. And we'll acknowledge that. Do we, and the question is, do we really look at Jesus and following Jesus as something that we need? So let's pray and let's, let's, let's explore how we can do this. Heavenly Father, we open your word um, knowing that what it says is true, that your commands are for our good, and as creator and savior, uh, we should obey you. Uh, and this is a challenging test for, text for all of us. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds that we will be honest with you and we'll be honest with ourselves. And we ask that the Holy Spirit to come over us and guide us for what this means in our life. And I ask that you give us the strength to, to cut off whatever this world is trying to keep us tied to. Um, and that we need you and not the things of this world. So let's please open our hearts, come into your authority, holding nothing back. Amen. All right. Relax. I'm not going to go as long as I did last time. I got the word. <laughs> oh, well, the plan is not to go as long with that. Um, Catherine said there's a, 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 um, the clock, clock back there, but I, unfortunately, I get in my own head and I don't do this. And I will say this. I was telling Chris and Ann, you know, diving into this has been a blessing. And I feel like I need a mission. I'm all, I'm, that's just that's the way my brain is oriented. But it's been a huge blessing taking this passage um, and just diving into it. And I, I, I met with Will Thursday to kind of go over it. And I was like, I got all this other stuff. But it's, so the cool part about it is it's not just like I'm doing this. And it's even like this kind of the theme for the part of, of this sermon is like, is that what we get out of it. We think we're doing this for some other reason. It's just what the blessings are that Jesus will bring to us. Um, and so I'm just grateful for that. And so the really, I think the overarching, if, if we say that, that we, are to, we are to fully and completely devote ourselves to God, is that when, when we do this, how Jesus says that in this text is about following, leaving and following. And so the idea of following today, 
what that means to follow is not what it was I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I don't, I don't do Instagram and whatever that other thing is, the tweeter thing, tweet thing. <laughs> Um, so, but, you know, years ago, 20, 30 years ago, if you were, if you were followed by, it was probably the police or somebody was out to get you. It was not a good thing. And if you were following somebody, you might get a restraining order. So, but nowadays you say, well, do you follow such and such? Oh yeah, we follow them. Or I've got these followers and all. It's, um, it's a completely different context. But if we think about the real, what that word means to follow, it is what, what Jesus is saying in this text is not the follow of today. When we think about to follow, we're going to follow someone. We are, we are releasing control. I didn't say relinquish. Releasing control. We, we are not going to decide. We're not making the decisions. We are following where they, if we're on a trail walk and someone's leading the hike, we are following them because we don't want to get lost. Um, but if we are in a caravan to go somewhere, we are following them because they know where they're going and we do not. And if we are going to follow, we are by, by that very nature, we are not going to lead. People, I, I, I have a problem with that. That is one of my, I would say, a core sin that I have is control. And so the idea of following Jesus and putting him in control um, is something that obviously will take, that takes a lot of, will take a surrendering, will take an abandoning, releasing uh, of what we would have and what we think our life is going to be like and following him. And that, that means we have to trust in him in that. And I think this, again, I think the context of when Jesus is saying this, and we, and we know that context is what? I love saying, I, I love saying that. That's, that's so cool. But the idea, the, the timing that he is having this conversation and the timing of who he is having conver his conversation with, I think is really important. So um, he's having a conversation with someone that is not needy. He is not someone that's come to them that needs to be healed. He's not someone that's coming to them even with a question uh, for ulterior motives, like the, the Pharisees would come to him and ask questions to trick him. So someone, he, the, the nature of how this young man comes to him, I think is important. And then the idea of the timing of what, what God is, what Jesus is doing at this point. And so it says in the beginning um, that as he's beginning the journey, and the journey that he's beginning, Jesus is beginning as his final um, journey to Jerusalem. And he's, he is going to complete his mission. He is going to willingly give himself up to be killed um, and, then and, then, and then suffer the separation from the Father and then die, the earthly body will die, and then he will rise again in three days. But Jesus knows that what he's getting ready to, to deal with is going to be awful. And yet he's, in fact, one of the translations says he, sets, he set his eyes on Jerusalem. He knew why he was here. The three years of his ministry, he had been you know, showing people, he had been dealing with people's spiritual and physical needs, and he was showing them a way, the way to do things and the way the life, life to live. And he knew that this was... This was the culmination of his ministry, was going to go to Jerusalem and be handed over uh, and to be beaten, mocked, uh, and killed, and have that separation on the cross from his father that was perfect, and having to go through that. Um, but then he knew that he was going to be raised from that dead. But, but the idea of what he was getting ready to do was going to be was awful and, and daunting. So you've got Jesus has a mission, and he's setting his eyes on Jerusalem, and this young man runs up. and So I think we can talk about this passage in three parts. We got, and, and the caption says the rich young ruler. 
But if you read in the text, it doesn't say he's rich, young, or a ruler, but somehow I think it's gleaned from the other accounts that he's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. Um, but uh, we can look at this as the young man's quest and his request. And then we can, we can part two is Jesus' response that he didn't hang around for an explanation for. And then the third part is how he turns to his disciples and he gives the full explanation and he gives the blessing, why we should do this. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. So let's dive into the first part and I'm gonna just read that first part. It says, as he was setting out on a journey, the man ran up. And so that was what Tasha kind of emphasized that. He has a sense of urgency. This young man has a sense of urgency. And he knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so even there's a reverence that this man is showing Jesus. He, he know, and he says, even good teacher, he's like he's buttering him up. Um, but then the part, he says, what, my, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response, I think it's very interesting, he says, why do you call me good? It's almost like he's like questioning this guy's motives. No one is good except for God alone. And it says, you know, the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to, and the young man says to Jesus, teacher, I've kept these all uh, since, all of these since my youth. And again, um, the, the idea of this is what, it's like he's rich and he's young and he's powerful. And if we think about what Jesus was response to him, one of the translations says, well, I'll answer your question. And so then he, then he spouts off the, the commandments. But I think it's very interesting that he doesn't name all of the commandments. And he talks about, you know, six through nine, he talks about don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, uh, don't lie, don't, and don't steal. And he makes up one, don't defraud anyone. And then he kind of circles back to honor your, your father and mother. And he omits covet. I wonder why he commits covet. I think it's a recognition. This, this guy's got everything this life has to offer. So he probably is not going to covet anything. But what is missing? The missing are the commandments that have to do with his relationship with God. I will have, he would be only one God, no idols, that I will keep the name of the Lord holy, and then I will keep the Sabbath holy. Those are completely gone, and it probably is because um, this guy doesn't see that as the important piece. And so the application for us, this first piece, is that do we recognize that Jesus has something for us? This young man is comfortable in his life. Young, even if we had rich in power, we can't go back and be young. Um, so he has all of those things, but he even recognizes that there is something that Jesus has to offer. And the question is, do we recognize that Jesus has something to offer? Does he, do we recognize that Jesus has something that we need? That there is a joy uh, that is missing that can only be satisfied by being in communion with him or with his people, like I would say like here. Or there's times when we are together uh, the other week in Asheville was a wonderful time of the church being together in support of a member, um, and there was a joy in that. And there's a joy. I, that's not found. I don't care how many times your team wins the World Series or the Super Bowl or whatever like that. There is a joy to be found in communion with other believers in support of someone else uh, that is a joy that can't be found. And this young man, he knows that he has command over the things of this world, um, but he, doesn't, he knows that Jesus has something else. And he wants not just command over this world, he wants to have command over the next life. He wants to know, can I have eternal life? He wants to keep uh, what he's got going, going. And so we see that the center of this man's life is his comfort. It is not, uh, it's not what the scriptures say, it's not what the scriptures taught, it's not like 
how we know that um, the Jewish people in, those, in that time, and, and actually it doesn't say that he's Jewish, but we just, I just assume that he is. The Jewish people in this time, the, the devotion to the scripture and knowing the scripture is something that was deeply a part of, um, deeply a part of what they, how they operated. So he knew all of that. He knew the commandments, and that was something that was an essential part of his upbringing. But even then, when Jesus says, he lists out the commandments, well, you should do these, he doesn't say, well, I've done those, Jesus, but did you forget the first four? He didn't do that. And so I think it's, again, it's another, it's another idea of he was focusing on the don'ts and the nots and not focusing on uh, what we should do, how we should have a relationship with God. And even, you know, when we went, when Pastor Will went through the, com- the Ten Commandments, it's not just don't murder, we should love. You do not commit adultery, we should be loyal. We should not steal, we should make other lives better, and we should not bear false witness, we should actually be um, honest. And so the young man's report, response to these commands, that he commit those commands, even then, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I get focused on language, he was talking about those commands that he was keeping and not the other ones, and he was completely oblivious to that. And so it boils down, and even Jesus boiled it down to this. He says, love you shall love the God with all your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your and others as yourself. He boiled the ten down to that, and really those can be broken into up into that. But I don't think the young man um, that wasn't on his radar, and I think it wasn't. It was not necessarily on his radar because of the volume of resources that he had. It was his mindset of what he could do. It was what he could do, and not what what Jesus could do for him, and what God could do for him. And even when he asked that, is what can I do? It's not, Jesus, what, what do you want me to do? What, do? what does God want me to do? It was never reflected back on him like that. And so the question is, um, are we, how are we like that? You know, do we focus on all of the bad things that we have not done or we are not doing to make us feel better about the things we do do? I mean, that's just, that's a question that we have. And that's that self-deception that Pastor Mitch talked about. Do we think we're good when we aren't? Or do we think we're not good when we are? And so that's a, that's a self-reflection that we all have to, to go through. And do, do the commands challenge us? Do they cause us tension? Um, but, or do they require us to trust God? Do we look at a command to say, I don't like to be told that, I don't like to be you know, led down this path, or I, don't wanna, I just want to um, qualify that, or does it really mean that we need to re- re- uh, trust God in these things? So it leads to the next part. And it's Jesus' response. And it's interesting to note that Jesus tells him, he, he talks to him, well, you know, there's this one thing that you haven't done. Um, you have not given up all, everything that you have and given it to the poor and come follow me. And so I'm just, I'm, I think it's just better read. I think Tasha, the way she read it in the inflection was perfect. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, and I think, Jesus, so Jesus looking at him was giving his full attention. And I think that's, that's powerful and then when he says he loved him, I think he had compassion for him because he knew what was getting ready. Of course, he knew what was going to get ready to happen, but he knew his heart and he knew his motivation. And the fact that he came to Jesus boldly asking this meant I mean, that he had courage and there, there was a real need that he wanted, but Jesus knew that his motives were just were off base. It says, you lack one thing. Go, sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. And so I think about this. There are many times we've been disappointed when we haven't. And maybe dismayed is a lot like disappointed. But I've never grieved. 
I've never grieved if I didn't get what I ordered on Amazon or I went to the mall. I don't go to the mall. If I went to a store and I was looking for something, um, even if it was very important, and I didn't get it. So the fact that he was grieving that, uh, that he was grieving that, that the way he was going to achieve eternal life is to give all of the comforts of the world away, uh, I just think it's a powerful description of how twisted um, the young man's mindset was, but I also think about how twisted my own mindset it was, because maybe it's not possessions. Maybe it's control. You know, you know, maybe there's so much. It's not about volume of resources. Maybe it's the perception or the idea of the control that we have. And again, uh, a big part of, you know, my, one of the biggest core sins that I have is the illusion or the idea that I think that I have control or that I think that somehow my self-reliance will allow me to have control. And, I mean, I, I freely admit that that's a problem that I have. And so that's what we have to look at, too, is it's not a volume of, of money. It's not things that we have. It really is where our heart is. And, and then as we say, where our money goes, our heart is, too. That whole idea of, of what we are focusing on. And so this is the first time that Jesus says, follow me. And he's telling the young man to do it, and he knows he's, he knows he's not going to do it. And the young man doesn't even wait. He doesn't f have any follow-up questions. He's not like, well, what do you mean by give up everything? Uh, what do you mean by is there a benefit other than just eternal life? Although, eternal life, my goodness. Um, and so I think that's the idea um, that when he was grieving because the first four commandments were not even on his radar. You know, really the idea of he was just jumping through hoops and checking boxes for his life because he had a comfortable life. But I would even say when you talk about it, it's not the volume of resources, it may be that you don't have a lot of money, but you have a lot of time. And so just think on that too, the idea of what your resources are and what it means to follow. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's the, the real part. It's not, not to focus on the don'ts of the, the 10th commandments, we should be focusing on the do's. What are we, yes, don't murder, right, but we need to love our neighbors. We don't need to, uh, to steal, we need to make others' lives better. And it's not writing a check. It's not the ability to write the check. Um, and I'm gonna, this, is, this came to me this morning, and I think about this. If, if you volunteer at a Carolina High game, and it costs you a penny to get in, it might cost you $6, but if you watch, and you watch these players, and you come on Monday nights when we feed them, and there's one young man named Matt Tollison, does not go to this church, but he goes and volunteers. He, he does the sidelines, so he's got the best seat in the house. And he's there on Monday morning, and he's connected with these guys, and he'll say, DeMarcus, I can't believe that. Remember that time you did this? And, and you just see the expression on that young man's face that he's getting affirmation that someone cares about him, someone was watching him, and it is, it is irrelevant because it's the same thing like Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you did a great job you know, blocking. I can't, the key would have never gotten this many yards. And to see the lighting up of that young man's face is priceless. And it didn't cost Matt, other than his time, a penny. And I think that's just, that's just one example of following Jesus and, and giving up all we have and following him for treasures in heaven. I think that's an example of that. And we can all do that. There's, and there's variations of that. You don't have to go to Carolina High Football and go to Monday nights. But that is an idea of putting God first and having him lead you in a way and then pursuing people 
which, in the, which is what we pursue, uh, we pers uh, pursue justice, but we are, we are preaching the gospel and we're pursuing discipleship. Well, how else are you going to disciple somebody unless you have a personal relationship with them? And that's the example of how we ever get to that, is that how do you sit back and not interact with people and ever be in a position to produce disciples? Um, and there's a part of that, too, when we talk about pursuing justice, is that these kids, um, we are... Um, we are serving them and we are encouraging them in a way uh, that they would not otherwise get. Uh, there's a deficiency in that and so we are. We are we're pursuing justice in that because they are going to have something and they're going to be encouraged that they wouldn't otherwise get. So mentoring is another way that you could do that and talk to me if you want to talk about mentoring. Um, so we see that for this young man, honoring God was the least important thing and let's be honest, I think when we talk about where we are and the ideas of, of how we live our lives is that honoring God is, would probably take a lower realm um, than control over our lives or even control over our family or our status or our situation. And it's something that I think we all struggle with. And do we fool ourselves thinking that we have control? And we think about this. Um, when you think you have control, how well has it gone for you? And I, I'm just leaving it at that. I, and really, that's, I'm reminding myself how, how awful that was. Um, but Jesus says, follow me, which means we, we let go of that control and we're going to follow him. And in 1 John, it says this, and, and even the, the, like the title of this section, in 1 John 2, it says God's commands. And so it says this, it says, this is how we know we know him. If we keep his commands... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors as yourself. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. And this is how we know we are with him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Jesus set an example. He lived a life. He was in ministry for three years, caring for the physical needs and the spiritual needs for people. And we can do that too. We cannot save the world, obviously. But we can, and Jesus calls us, to live like him and be a benefit to people. That's just what we're supposed to do. Um, and so the man leaves. He's unconfronted. Um, he had not confronted with the challenges of this, his comfortable life. He just has, wants to nothing to do with this. Um, and it's very likely that, that if he had stayed around, he probably would have left too because it sounds like his motives were in the wrong place. Um, but um, he was so focused on himself. And I would even say this too. When we talk about um, richness or wealth and things like that, is that um, even, even if you're not blessed with resources, whatever that is, and I'll take time and set that aside with money and power and things like that, if we are self-focused on ourselves, self-focused on ourselves, that's redundant. If we are self-focused, then we are missing the entire point. And, we'll, and just think about, like, keep that in your mind with, with the vast, and we talk about the application at the end. So part three is, I'm not going to read the whole thing again, but part three is Jesus is saying, he is looking to the disciples, and there was many times where he was telling, well, he's telling parables, and then, you know, the, the disciples call him aside, like, what do you mean by this? Well, he didn't even wait. He's turning to the, uh, the disciples, and he's just, he just says how hard it is if you, for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so that, that's, I think, is directed at that young man. But then he says it again. And, and well, in their response is they're astonished. I mean, again, that's, that's, 
that's bigger than just surprised. I mean, they're like going because I suspect that their mindset was, well, if rich people can't go to heaven, who can? But I'm just saying that may be a mindset. But they were astonished that he would say that it would be hard for a rich person who you would think would have it easy on this and would have no problems on this world um, would ever enter the kingdom of God. But then he turns and says, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? He didn't qualify that. He didn't say the rich again. He didn't say the wealth again. He says how hard it is um, to enter the kingdom of God. And that was for them. And that's for us. It has nothing to do with wealth. It has everything to do with how hard it is for us to enter the kingdom of God. And again, I think Tasha's inflection was perfect. It's like, then who can be saved? I mean, that is a legitimate response. When we are confronted with, you can't do anything. Who can be saved? And then I think Jesus' response was nonchalant. I think it was like, well, you know, with, with you, men, impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Because he knew that. And again, you think about the three years of his ministry where he was healing people. He, had, he showed command over the laws of nature and physics. He fed 5,000 people with, what, five loaves and two pieces of bread. I mean, it's, in, it's incredible. And for them to still be astonished, I don't know, I'm always judgmental, but I mean, that's just crazy. It's like, but they're still astonished by that. But he says that. I've been telling you, I told you earlier, no man comes to the Father but by me. I mean, and they're still astonished by that. But he says that um, it's impossible, but with God, it's not possible because everything is possible with God. And then I, I, in my, my mind, Tasha, I, I think of Peter like resigned going, Lord, We've left everything and followed you. I mean, I, I feel like there is that, but that's exactly what Jesus, what, that's the point. They've left everything and followed him. And I think that's the most, to me, that's like, the, it's not the camel, nothing to do with the camel. That's the linchpin of this text. We have left everything and followed you. And Jesus recognizes, I can't remember, Mitch talked about truly, truly what that meant, uh, but he starts to just truly, truly, I will, you know, no man who's left the Father, all these things, left these things for my... And so left is folly. Given, gave everything up. You've let go of everything. You are no longer in control. You are now following me. So that's the second or the third left is when he says, um, no one who has left house or home and that whole list of stuff. So left is follow. follow for my sake and for the sake of the gospel... And then what it says is we will receive 100 times more houses, brothers, sisters, brothers, mothers, children's fields with persecutions. You don't want to watch this. And eternal life in the age to come. So Jesus is saying, and I would say this too, y'all are my brothers and sisters. When I think about this text, the whole idea of following Jesus is that all of us are family. So he says it right there. And that's, the, that's one of the benefits. And we know that instinctively is that collectively together there's a joy and a spirit. When we sing and worship, we feel, I feel it. I know we feel it. And so that's exactly what Jesus is saying. You follow me, and now um, all of these people are your brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. And, so that's a, and then all of their houses, because where do we go? Are we going to go get together at each other's house, or are we going to do stuff like that? And so I think it's a, it's a fantastic um, um, net that Jesus has said that all of this stuff is all of this is yours. But he doesn't, he whitewashes it with saying, and it's always going to be awesome because we live in a broken world. And so it's not going to be awesome. And we see that a lot. You know, Jesus never whitewashes and says, it's going to be amazing on this earth when you follow me. He just doesn't. 
Because he talks about persecutions and he talks about you're going to suffer and you're going to have trials. He talks about all of that stuff. So he says the blessing of following him is here on earth with persecutions, but then eternal life with him in the age to come after our, after our death. So that to me is the, the incredible part of all of this stuff. And they're, they're astonished by this. Um, and they're, you know, I, I think when Peter was on, he wasn't dismayed, but I think he was like resigned about that. But I think Jesus was saying, you're right. You have done exactly what you have obeyed. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, so the last, the last piece, and I'm, I'm about to wrap it up. So is, did I do a better job? I think I'm doing a better job on the timing. Is that when he talks about the following part, when I, we circle back to the young man and he says, How can I, what can I do? To inherit eternal life. And I know that he was wanting a list, he, or he wanted affirmation that, yes, I've committed these commandments, you're good. And so when Jesus says to follow him, um, what does that mean and how, how does that play out? I just, I, a good example of that, what we just talked about, is it, um, getting involved in your community. Um, and and um, when we say giving your life away, all right, um, you, an hour spent doing something for someone else. You say, well, there's not suffering in that because it's really a lot of fun. We get to eat, we get to hang out together, and we go feed Carolina High, and we get to do, we get to eat hamburgers sometimes. There's joy in that, but you could be doing something else. And so in that respect, there is a suffering part. Um, but going back to what 1 John says, those who say he remains in him should walk just as he walked. And even later in that same chapter of Mark, it says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, which is what he was headed to do. And so even when, he said, when it says in 1 John, we should walk as he walks, we have to do that. We have to be prepared for that. And we are fortunate to live in a country where we are not going to get persecuted and killed for believing in Jesus, but we are fortunate in that. That is not the rest of this world. We just know that. So we should be grateful for that. We may lose status. We may lose credibility with our friends that if we say we follow Jesus, we might. Yes, we might. But uh, we're probably not going to lose our life. Uh, in Matthew, and so there's another where, where Jesus says, how, when you follow me, this is how you should live. He says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in, this, in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. So when we think about life change and how God has changed our lives, and I think instinctively we know this, is like you want others to have that. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us, he conjures this motivation to go and give our lives away. It is not like he says, follow me, and he just walks. He has given us an example, and he has given us the Holy Spirit that gives us that strength. And I'm just going to wrap up with, with these things. Is that Jesus was a healer, all right? And so we may not be able to heal blindness and paralysis and things like that, but here's what I know. I know God put Christine in my life to show me that my path was wrong, and that his path was the way. And that's healing. That's just one example. Praying for others um, is healing. That is healing. So in that way, we were following Jesus in that respect.
Jesus was set apart. And even here, the young man says, good teacher, and he acknowledges that Jesus was set apart, but Jesus has called us to be the light of the world. And I would say in Asheville, in the courthouse, we are the light of the world. I would say walking to the restaurant, we are the light of the world. And we were in that restaurant, we are the light of the world, because together we were distinct, and people wanted to know there was something about us, and they wanted to know about that. I'm sorry you missed that. There'll be other opportunities I know in this world. Um, so in student ministry, um, in student ministry, we have, uh, every week we go over the disciples' cross. And it is, you know, Will talks about, all right, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And then what do we do? How should our life reflect that we are followers of Jesus? Um, and so we, we, he does the cross, and the first thing we take, where Jesus, uh, we are to be in the scriptures. What did Jesus continually uh, in response to the devil, in response to the Pharisees, in response to Peter. He's quoted the scriptures. He knew the scriptures. His life was directed by the scriptures. And so, uh, and Jesus was always in prayer. He would find places to go to be in rest, to be in solitude, to be with his father and to pray. And so the next piece is we are to be in the scriptures and we are to pray. And then the side parts of the bar of the cross is we are to be in fellowship, like right now. Um, and then outside of church, when we are in fellowship and we serve together, we just go have lunch or breakfast or thing like that. Uh, and then in service, he, is, he, is, he says we are to get, he gave his life for all of us, and we are supposed to do that too. And so in his healings and his teaching, he gave us um, uh, examples of how we can meet the needs of others and do just that, how we can be in service to others. And so God commands us, um, our, commands our full and complete devotion. And I think this passage um, not only tells us that, and it tells us how we should do this. So let, let's, let's pray. Um, Lord, as we take communion, please open our eyes and our hearts to help us see how you want us to follow you. Let us taste the joy of the blessings that you have for us. Let us meet head on the persecutions you told us are coming so that we will rely on you. And in tough times, um, that we follow you, that we trust you even more. And Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us to follow you. And thank you for setting the example that you have for us, showing us how to live like you did in full and complete devotion uh, to your Father. And all of this we pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen.